Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. I am your host, Panos Anagnosa. For today's episode, we will be covering a question coming from Gannon Fall, all the way from San Francisco, California. Thanks, guys, for listening all the way out there. And um, just a real quick intro to what we're going to be talking about. He says he's been enjoying listening to the podcast and he's in the process of adopting a rescue dog. And he wanted to see, can I suggest a couple of episodes? Because if we have missed out on that critical period, that seven to 17 weeks, how can we build dogs' confidence and social skills? And then ask him to be a little bit more specific. So he goes to say that we live in an apartment and we get most of our physical activity from running, walking, hiking, swimming in local city parks and surrounding Bay Area. So looking at getting a dog that's small enough to be comfortable in an apartment with athletic and active enough to be happy with our lifestyle. Got an interview with the dog over the past few months. We applied for everything from Aussie Shepherds to Labs to Retriever Mixes and a Formosan Taiwanese Mountain Dog. Long answer short, here's the question. So I guess in to answer your question, I guess, I guess there's two different, two different parts of the question here. Number one is, well, you want to be obviously getting the right dog for your lifestyle but the number two is well then how do we build confidence building well if we don't know the dog specifically we don't know what we need to be working on so i'm going to try to address that within today's episode first and foremost before you continue to even listen to this episode maybe listen to episode 70 where we talk about me and luke were discussing how to choose a dog and choosing a dog is an important thing so we can set the dog up for success set you guys up for success um, it may not be the best idea to get like a husky if you live in an apartment and you haven't had dogs before, so you're inexperienced. Maybe that's not the best dog for you. Um, you know, so you want to make sure that you're ticking all the lists. It sounds like you guys are obviously, first of all, whoever's listening to the podcast, unless you just listen to one off, is that you're obviously out there looking for information, so you already have a good, a good um, sense of common sense. But um, but you also want to make sure that you're making the right decisions. So be specific about and be realistic about what you have, what your experience levels are and all that. And that's what we go, we talk about in that episode there. Before you get any dog, before even while you're looking for a dog, because you may get look for a dog tomorrow and decide that you want to take that dog on. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that your dog, your house is dog proof immediately. So if your apartment, talk um, think about where the dog's going to be sleeping, where the dog's going to be going to the toilet, where do you want them to hang out when you are home, when you're not at home, so all these things. So things like, again, I don't know your apartment, I'm not sure how big it is, but it'll be nice if there's some sort of space where your dog can go to the toilet out in the balcony, I would assume. And one thing that I really do recommend, especially for apartment living, is crate training the dog. So get into crate training. You can listen to an episode, we talked about that as well. But, um, but the reason why crate training is so important is because that helps with confidence building indirectly. You see, and maybe not specifically confidence building, but with setting your dog up to be happy within your, within your household because you don't want to get a dog that's 
you know, never lived in an apartment before and then you just leave them straight in your apartment, you go out for eight hours, come back and your house is like someone let a grenade off in there. So you want to make sure that we can secure certain areas. Like, for example, there's some um, apartments have really, really big balconies covered from all the elements. So a dog can be quite happy to be there during the day. While you're at home, your dog can have access to be inside your house within reason. Maybe have to set some structure and boundaries up as well before you do that. But also... You want to make sure, where's the dog going to sleep when I'm going to be sleeping? Because if you've only got a couple of seconds to create a consequence to behaviors, whether they're good or they're bad, you have to be awake and conscious enough to be able to sort that out. So if we can crate train the dog as well, that could be really handy. So definitely look into that. Take the time to assess the dog before you get him. So whatever dog that you're looking at, one thing that was a little bit confusing there, you said that you wanted maybe like a small-ish breed. Again, you hope I'm not too incorrect with trying to understand what you said. But then when you said you want a Labrador, um, you know, and Australian Shepherd, like I know they can be medium to large size dogs, but maybe like, again, depending on your space, maybe a Labrador can be too higher of energy depending on the dog specifically. See, when it comes to like what breed should I get, it's really hard because you can have a litter of Labradors and one's really chilled out and the other one's super high energy, ready to go to work. So, you know, you have to really be assessing the dog. So, Take the time to be with the dog. If you can do a trial period with that dog, um, let's just say that you go, look, I want to take the dog out for a day. Can we? Are we allowed to do that? And go for a walk to a general place that you would normally go to. Um, is a dog going to be reactive to different stimulus like people, bike riders, um, other dogs, you know, different sounds? You know, you want to be able to see that for yourself rather than just going with what you see in the shelter environment. Also what you get from speaking to shelter staff and, and volunteers and things like that. Um, even if you do take that dog out, that's that dog in that current state of mind. Dogs take about four to six weeks to adapt into a new environment. So you can bring the dog home week one. We see certain behaviors, but week four or five, when your dog's all psyched and comfortable with the with the environment, we start to see other behaviors start to manifest and come to the surface. So even taking the time to assess the dog, know that it may not be everything that you see. Depending on the age as well, you take you take on a five-month-old dog, but then at eight to 10 to 12 months old, we start to see other behaviors manifest because that may not be just learnt behaviors, but those are genetic predispositions. Um, you know, the Labrador will be more likely to want to chase the bird rather than, um, than focus on pulling sleds, for example. You know, like every dog has a specific, that was a really bad example, but you get my point, right? Hopefully. Um, so um, so take the time to assess the dog. Look at everything that you want. You know that you guys are high, higher energy individuals, that you like to do all these active um, activities. So it's so you do want to make the right match, but also make sure that you have a, an allocated space where wherever your dog is allowed to be in your house, um, kind of sacrifice that space. So if there's like a spare room that has access to a balcony and let's say it's floorboards and it's not carpeted, it can work for him to be his room. Just make sure that you're happy with the skirting boards getting destroyed and the door getting ripped off and all that sort of stuff. Um, toileting happening inside the room there because it's it's likely to happen. Where um, if you can secure your, your space where you have like a big exercise pen that can be butted up towards where the balcony doggy door is where your dog can spend some time inside, not jump over the exercise pen, but go back outside. You know, there's different ideas there that, that you can work on in regards to doing that. A dog that I could think of suggesting to you guys, look, I have no idea of that mountain dog that you, um, I did do a little bit of searching before I got onto here, the Formosan Taiwanese mountain dog. I don't know anything about that dog. Um, by the sounds of it, it sounds like a high energy dog. Looks like it, it'd be good at guarding and, and, um, and have a sense of prey drive and things like that. That may be 
too much for your apartment living. When we have mountain dog and then apartment, maybe in the same sentence, maybe they don't kind of mix up. I could be wrong. People have um, Burmese mountain dogs, for example, in in their apartment living and things work out okay. But as a general, like the Aussie Shepherd, um, some retriever mixes, you know, a dog that could be really good for, for you guys. Um, two that come off the top of my head is like something like a golden retriever can be really, really good. If you can find, if you're looking at adopting a dog, maybe people don't want to give up awesome golden retrievers, but they can be really active dogs and they can be really friendly and really trainable within your household as well. Um, Jack Russells can be a more a manageable dog in your apartment living and they do have high energy and they like to go, go, go. Um, you know, if we were going to see behavioral issues, we tend to see more behavioral issues from like a Jack Russell type of dog than the golden retriever. If you're going to see any issues with the golden retriever, generally you would see more like timidity rather than like aggression where with the Jack Russell, you may see more aggression than a dog that's timid and scared and wants to run all the time. Again, just generalizations. These aren't set in concrete. So, um, if I was to give you like a top two, those can be a good top two dogs. If you go wear anything smaller, like one of the oodle breeds, that may not be as higher energy to be able to go like hiking and running for very long distances. But, you know, that could be another option as well because it can be really ha- uh, manageable within your apartment. You know, think something like a, like a, maybe a Labradoodle, they can be pretty high energy though, um, but quite manageable within your space. Um, something like a Spoodle, if you want to go a little bit smaller, like a Spaniel Cross. You know, there's other options as well. Um, but if you wanted something more towards like the working dog style that we're looking at here, you know, maybe you can think about those first two options. Um, and again, I'll be happy to hear feedback from you again. And when you listen to this, you can email me back and or even put it on a you know, on a comment on one of our social posts. It'll be good to know to see what, you, what you're thinking of. Next thing on my list here, I have... Building confidence through obedience training and loose lead walking. So if there is, I think maybe you're assuming that you're going to see a dog with that needs confidence building. Again, I'm only going off your email where um, maybe you get a dog that's super confident, that's maybe overly confident. Um, so we want to build, we want to kind of create more manners in that situation where if you have a dog that's shy of the world and doesn't know what a passing car is and every time it sees a dog, it, it shits itself, you may then want to be building confidence. So confidence and manners kind of both come both both two are on two ends of the spectrum. However, we do the same things generally to kind of get them to level out and to be balanced. Obedience training is important for two for three main reasons. You want to stimulate your dog mentally, you want to teach them practical skills, but it's relationship building. That's one of the most important things that we're looking at here. So you want to build a good, strong relationship. Teach your dog all those basic commands, lots of engagement and focus back onto you. So that way there, if your dog does lack any confidence when you do go outside of that house, outside of your apartment block and there's a dog across the road and your dog doesn't know what to do, your new dog, then at least you have some technique to be able to get focus back on you. Teaching like look and 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 the name game are, are two that have come off the top of my head, but everything basically, you need focus and engagement first before we can teach any commands, sit down, stay, come when called, go onto your bed, and then we can practice all those tricks, teaching a heel. So this, we do need focus before we teach obedience, but think about it. If we want to build confidence, we want focus more on us than worrying about every single variable that could be happening in the in the environment all at the same time. Oh my God, I'm paranoid of the car. There's two dogs over there and there's a person coming over to pat me now. Instead of telling your dog, don't run away from this, don't lunge at that, you can tell them, hey, focus back on me. I represent you. I will 
Adhere to How You Feel by Reading Dog's Body Language. You can listen to another um, recent episode, Environment First Body Language, very, very important, where you can then start to read your dog's body language and build that like um, that you can be safe when you're with me, especially a new dog that's had questionable um, past. You don't know anything about it, so you need to go off everything from there. So working on your obedience training and loose lead walking as well. You want to teach a dog what to do on the walk. So I preferably, if I was to get a rescue dog coming to my house today, I'd be teaching obedience training and loose lead walking definitely within the next, the first day or two. The first couple of moments we're hanging out at home, maybe getting to know each other, but have boundaries and rules and structure straight off the bat. There is no like, oh, I'm going to let him settle in, then I'm going to give him rules. That makes no sense to him because the dog needs to know what it is that he needs to f- um, fulfill what behavior he needs to display in that current environment right from the beginning. Don't go, you can pull here and not listen there and do whatever. And then within a week or two, you start layering it in. If you're an inexperienced dog owner or, you know, like a, a, like you've had dogs before, however, you're not skilled in, you know, um, working on obedience in training wise. Some people may want the dog to be really boisterous, do whatever it wants, and then we can layer it in. The problem with that is that, you know, it's nicer to have like a space in your backyard where your dog can display all those behaviors. It's a little bit more appropriate. And then if you have the skills and the experience, you can then start building it up slowly depending on what you want to mold and work on. But for the general everyday dog owner, I say structure and rules and boundaries, obedience, everything happens from day one. All of that dog's food that it earns does not come from the bowl. It comes from your pouch and it comes from training. We do it all inside the house first and then we slowly outside of the house, down the lobby, outside on the street. And then we slowly, slowly start extending that training throughout the whole dog's experiences in and outside of the apartment. And that way there, that can be a real good way in terms of like building social skills Social skills comes down to having access to sound people and sound dogs. And what I mean by that is not just letting any random just run up to your dog and just pat your dog straight off the bat. You can listen to um, last week's episode talking about, you know, um, approaching dogs and dog safety and things like that. We want to make sure the dog's not paranoid and freaked out and displaying any fearful behavior in regards to lunging and biting or running away because we want to build our dog's confidence like that. So- Make sure that you have good people that you can start to socialize with and as well as if you have friends or neighbors or people that you know that have good dogs, um, start socializing with those good dogs before you go to anywhere. I hate dog parks, but, you know, before you start taking your dog off the lead and giving it its own experience. If you are, when it is time to give your dog free time, you can listen to episode six talking about the structured walk and the 20-20-20 rule. Make sure you have a 10 meter long lead. Show that your new dog can have some freedom, but it doesn't have to run away from you because you've known the dog for three days. That dog may not be fully committed to you and it may run and chase squirrels or whatever it wants. So making sure that good management's a must. Confidence building comes from setting your your environment up for success so your dog knows that you're in control of what's happening. So relationship building is important. And then also that obedience side of things. We want to teach our dogs what we want them to do when we are out and about and living inside of our intimate spaces. So my next one I kind of talked about already is like introduced to dogs, people, and new environments gradually, not all at the same time. So the first day you have your dog, look again, a lot of people may do everything opposite to this and it works out well. However, on the general, what could happen is you get your dog rusty for the first time ever and the first day you go to the most populated park where there's dogs off the lead, people off the lead, bikes everywhere, birds everywhere, and you let the dog off the lead. Like 
that could be a recipe for disaster or it could just be like any other old dog out in the park and having a good time. It could be neutral and positive experience, but it could be a real negative experience. But also you're, you've, if you were to do something like that, which is kind of irresponsible, then you don't know what the status of your dog is to attack another person or dog or to run away and then you can't chase that dog and then he runs onto the road. And also for training-wise, that sucks because he doesn't feel that you're in control. So why should he listen or to focus or even to come back to you? So that's important as well. So go slowly, introduce slowly. Um, your neighbor is you're cool with your neighbors and get them to either come over, have your dog on the lead or meet out the front and go for a little walk together. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we have a dog as well. It's like, all right, maybe after he meets you, maybe you can come down, bring the dog, we can go for a walk together. You know, introduce it slowly rather than taking your dog straight into your friend's house where the dog runs up full speed. People are all excited. Oh my God, it's rusty. And then we've got just a, another recipe of, of disaster. So um, introducing slowly. Next point, which would be journal what's, what you want improving. And also have some goals. Have some goals before your dog even, before you even choose the dog. What is it that you want from the dog? What is it that you want your dog to be able to do? What's a training routine and, and what's the outcome of training that you want? I want my dog to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So make sure that you're clear before you start doing any training. But journal the things that you don't like. So, oh, we walked past a pram today and the dog did like run towards the wheels. Um, that definitely needs improving. If you're not writing this stuff down, it's all just wishing around in your head and it's very hard for you to take any plan of action. So... You don't have to full journal it in a book. You can just dot point it, put in your phone notes, whatever it is. Put the date on there kind of helps. So that way there you can also look back and go, oh, yeah, three weeks ago we we're working on that and look how far we've come. Because if you're not getting dopamine or any form of reinforcement for your efforts of training, you're likely to stop doing the training altogether. Same thing with, you know, bodybuilding, learning a new skill or where you're at with work or in your relationships. If you don't know where how far you've come, you don't know where you're heading, but also you need to look back and go, oh, yeah, we're in a different place last year and we're working on much more improved and advanced things. Or some things may be like, oh, I've still got the same thing on my goals list in the last two, three, four, five weeks in a row. I obviously need to be starting to address that. So that's also important as well. And with that trial period, as I mentioned before, it'd be good to be able to take a dog on for a week or two to see if it does work for you. A lot of people do that, or some people foster the dog. And then that could be the problem with fostering is that you're now a halfway house. And if someone else decides to adopt the dog before you decide that you want to adopt it, that's no good. And also places like rescues and the shelters, like they, they're happy for people to be foster failures, but they ideally don't want foster failures. They want people that will take the dog on, move it on, take another dog. But my point there with the trial is that you can see the dog in your intimate space, give the dog a couple of weeks to settle. And if all is well, then you commit to it. And if you feel like it's not working out for you, then at least you have that option and you can go back to, to the same place he was, which is much better for the dog and usually for the for the organization as well. Because you fully commit to a dog and you don't want to keep the dog, now you have to try to find a new home for it and it's going to be hard on you. And then if you end up keeping the dog but you're not happy with the decision, you kind of start resenting the dog and that's no good either. Um, so make so my point here is that make the best decision up until the trial. Like you're like, hey, the dog's ticked eight out of ten boxes. Um, are we able to trial it? And if you're going to trial it, it should be a, oh, we're trialing for forever, not let's just see how it goes. Like I want you to have some sincerity about it and make sure that if you do go for the trial, it's only because something bad happens or something that, you know, your dog tries to attack the, your baby or some things like that. Then of course, you know, um, 
the dog's able to go back rather than having to go through a whole logistical process as well. We're in a times now, especially in Sydney anyways, that people, the shelters are empty. I tried to volunteer at the shelter yesterday to, to give the staff a hand. There wasn't even a dog to work with where on any other normal day, there's 50 plus dogs there. So it's an interesting time. So that could be a that could be another also um, a struggle for you guys is that maybe it's hard for you to be able to find the dog that you want because all the good dogs have been adopted from the sh- from the rescues and maybe you've only got the trouble dogs that need that need rehoming. Um, but also in saying that, I would say it probably goes also the other way where because there's no dogs for adoption, you're looking real hard to find the specific dog. So just take your time. I guess don't rush it either. Um, you can also speak with Sahari from um, Napa County Animal Shelter, I'm pretty sure it's called. I don't know if that's anywhere close to you guys, um, but I know it's somewhere in the US of A. So um, if if you guys are close, or you can even find her, or we did an episode and we've got her link in where we're talking about shelter dogs, um, maybe like four or five episodes ago. Um, maybe that could be another awesome place that you can reach out to since um, she, she's very well equipped with, um, with dog behavior and she's an avid listener as well. And maybe she can direct you in, in the right and be in the flesh to actually like show you a dog. So, you know, um, and if you ever need any further details, don't hesitate, um, Gannon, to, to email me and I can share those details. Um, and also the last thing I want to talk about is hire a dog trainer. I think that could be the best thing to do once you have a dog or even looking for a dog. Sometimes people can help you find the right one or once you have the dog, you've got everything that you can listening from listen to our episodes, listen to other people's content, you know, watching my YouTube videos. I've got a whole bunch of different playlists there. Um, that's on Nooch's Pooches. You just YouTube that. But videos and online help can only help you so far. So having somebody actually there to be able to see the dog in the moment, if they have dogs that they can socialize your dog with or to give you tips to work on, um, what to do inside the house, all the intricate ins and outs specifically to you, um, getting a dog trainer, a good balanced dog trainer, someone who you know the stuff and everyone should have everything up on their Instagram to be able to be a catalog for everyone's work. So, um, so check that out. Do some good research before you do commit to getting a dog trainer. Because I think that could be integral to you um, having success or not. I really hope that answers your question. Um, I thought it was going to be a shorter one today, but actually kind of kept on going. And I'm sure I can keep talking forever about it. But with the limited information that I have, I hope that I've been of service to you today. And as always, if you do enjoy the things that you're listening, all of our episodes on um, Life With Your Dog, please like, rate, subscribe and any platform that you're on. Um, I know that there's most most podcast apps can't leave a re- you can't leave a review, but if you do go onto Apple or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, and if you can leave a review there and a five star, that'll be really helpful for us. More people will be able to listen, and we can continue doing the things that we do. And you can follow me, Nutris Pooches, on all the platforms: Instagram, Facebook, um, and YouTube, just for any other extra content of me actually having a dog in front of me and working on these things. And until then, yeah, have a great day. And Gannon, I hope you and your girlfriend find some success with finding another dog to have a new forever home. So good work on 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 reaching out to us and listen to the episodes and, and equipping yourself before even getting a dog. I think that's, that's probably the most important part of all of this. But um, yeah, just good luck and we hope to hear from you. Maybe if you send us a photo of your dog when you do end up getting him, we can put it up on our social. That'd be cool as well. Until then, have a good day. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye.